Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. She's a retired pro athlete, nutrition coach, and podcast host. It's Amy Denson. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? So I'm from a small town in Southern Oregon, um, Klamath Falls. And, you know, I, I grew up most, most like half of my life as an only child. I have a brother. Um, uh, I am eight years older than him. So I kind of grew up the first half as an only child. And then he grew up the second half <laughs> when I left, went to college. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had a really um, blessed experience, blessed childhood, and it was just kind of that small town living. Um, and, you know, from gosh, a young age, I got into sports um, when I was just kind of what you did. And I came from an athletic family. Um, my mom actually played a, a year at college basketball at a really small NAIA. My dad went to play Um And so I started with basketball and I just kind of did everything, grew up, um, just trying different things. I really enjoyed being active. And then when I was about, oh gosh, probably I was in the fourth or fifth grade, you know, I knew at a very young age that I was obsessed with basketball. I knew that it's so funny when we're young, but I knew that I was, that's what I was meant to do. And I didn't know how or what, but I just knew that that's, this is my gift. Um, And I obviously didn't say it in that way, but (laughs) that's just how I felt. Um, I was always taller than everyone. And so I was a tomboy and I would battle the boys, um, you know, either in basketball or I tried to do football or kickball. So I was always trying to compete. I was very, very competitive. Um, And yeah, so we started this is back in the day when AAU basketball was just getting started, you know, kind of on the rise. And my dad started a team and we literally just picked up anybody (laughs) to kind of play. Um, And so we just had such a a variety of kids on there, which was so cool. And I remember I was in fifth grade playing up on a sixth grade team. And we walked into a gym in Portland, Oregon, which was like the big city you know, and we walked in and into our first tournament and we saw girls my age shooting three pointers to warm up. And we were like, um, we're still (laughs) working on our left-hand layups. And so we knew we were kind of over our head and our first game, our first AAU game, we lost 72 to two. And I was the lucky one that scored the two free throws. (laughs) Um, but it was so cool because the way my dad coached us and my dad is, he was the toughest coach I've ever had, but it's also the biggest reason why I had my career. Right. And, um, we ended up by my, you know, seventh grade year, just dominating the state of Oregon, which was so, so cool. Um, so yeah. So when I went into high school, I actually transferred high schools, which was really tough. I transferred as a sophomore Um, just had some life stuff go on and, and ended up transferring just to a a town that was about an hour away from us. But, you know, it was really tough as a 16 year old, knowing no one and basketball, of course, was kind of my, you know, my lifesaver. And we ended up having, I mean, it was like a small college team. We were sponsored by Adidas in high school. Wow. Um, but basketball gave me the opportunity to play all over the nation. We went to AAU nationals when I was in seventh grade, we went to Florida and eighth grade, we went to Virginia beach. Um, and then I was from there picked up on Nike teams, Adidas teams, and just was able to travel all over the U S. Um, and so to be honest with you, my childhood at that point was I was obsessed with basketball. Like I was, you know, in high school, I would get up before school. I would go lift weights. I would come back, go to school after school. I would go back to the gym or go to practice. Um, I didn't really do much else. I was so like intrinsically and extrinsically driven. Um, but I just wanted to play college ball. I wanted to win a state championship. Um, and, uh, it was just a really special time. Cause I just, I I got the opportunity to play on teams that 
and play around talent that just made me so much better. Um, so that was, I mean, really, that was my childhood was, was sports and small town living, and then really just kind of morphed into my passion. And, and then, you know, my whole thing was like, well, I'm going to be the hardest freaking worker. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a D1 scholarship. I'm going to go to the you know best school and then I'm going to go pro. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do any of this. Um, I just, my dad just said, you just have to work harder than everybody else. And I was like, okay, sounds good. With your brother being eight years younger, did you guys have a close relationship as he was getting older and your interaction with each other? Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I went to college, everything changed. I mean, that my relationship with my parents changed. I ended up going to Arizona state. So it's not too far from Oregon. I mean, it's a two hour plane ride, but for me, it was really far. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, as, as, as a young kid, young woman, I, I was humbled and I, you know, I remember going to the grocery store and I was like, oh my gosh, how much, how much do groceries cost? You know, I was just <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, and so family, our family dynamic changed, um, for me, um, you know, really, you know, calling a lot, wanting to come home whenever I could, whenever I had a break, which wasn't often when I was playing, um, And then, you know, as my brother got older and I was away, our relationship grew. And now we are honestly like best of friends. We are so close. Um, He actually has two young kids and um, it is just the absolute best to be an aunt to his children. So yeah, we have a really, really strong relationship, but it was not always like that. We were just too far apart in the beginning. So as you were growing up, were you aware of athletes in basketball that kind of sparked your inspiration or a huge influence in Mm -hmm. how you were playing basketball as you were getting older? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, Magic Johnson was my favorite player because he could play all five positions and I wanted to be a versatile player. I was always really tall. Mm -hmm. I was always naturally built like pretty strong. And then when I started lifting, I lifted pretty young because I started to have some knee issues and I was like, you know, it was too young. So I got like a personal trainer and who changed my life. He changed my, my body competition. I was just able to, to really play safely and, and kind of really up my game. But there was a woman um, who, who was from my small town who went to Stanford. And I just thought that that was the most amazing thing I had ever witnessed because it was from where I was from. Mm-hmm. And if she can do it, yeah, maybe I can do it too. And so I think that was like my first, my was my first idol. That was my first proof that it could be done. Um, and then there's a coach, uh, there's a, a NAI school in Klamath Falls called Oregon Institute of Technology, OIT. Uh, there is a Hall of Fame coach, Danny Miles, who coached the men's team. Um, I would go to every single basketball camp clinic, anything that he put on. I wanted to play with the boys. A lot of times I was only one of two girls, maybe that went, um, and I just wanted to play. And he was so, he embraced me every single time, you know, and a lot of times players run camps, they embraced me every single summer. And I, you know, I felt at home there. And so I think he was a great example because their program was so successful and I really resonated with him and how he coached. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I just liked how, you know, his essence and how he was just so, you know, supportive of me being there in the first place. So I think those are the, probably the two pillars that I didn't really, especially being around a lot of boys, I just was like, why wouldn't I play, you know, rather than feeling any other way, which was so cool. You mentioned that you were one of two girls that were at those camps. Did you feel that, that hopefully this was the start of more women being a part of these camps and finding that passion in basketball, like you have, Mm -hmm. instead of just them being more male dominated at these Mm -hmm. camps? Yeah, I think, you know, as I, as I grew up and especially when in high school, Oregon women's basketball was it was elite basketball. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, the end of the trail tournament in Oregon city. And, um, it was, 
one of the top tournaments in the nation. And so state tournaments, AAU teams, I got to, I got to be a part of the growth of Oregon's basket of Oregon women's basketball. And I got to play against and with like the best competition that's probably ever come out of Oregon. <laughs> and it was really cool because, um, when I went to Arizona state, we had a really young team. When I, when I joined as a freshman, um, a handful, I think four out of the five starters were all from the Northwest, either from Oregon or, or Washington. So it was, it was so amazing to be a part of that rise in women's basketball from me walking into, you know, a gym and getting beat 72 to two to, you know, competing for state championships on Nike traveling teams, like all of this. So I don't know if I ever thought about it as like, man, I wish there were more women, to be honest with you. My thought was, I want to be so good that I'm going to be all of the boys here so that they respect the heck out of me. Right. That was more of my thought. I'm like, you're not going to treat me different. You're not going to be soft with me. You're not going to, you know, so a lot of times I would you know, throw the first hit. I would be really <laughs> aggressive. I mean, because I was like, don't, don't, I want you to play as hard as you would. And, you know, of course you'd be, as I got older, it wasn't always that way, but even now, like a couple of years ago, I was in an intramural league and I was like, let's do this. Let's go, <laughs> let's go. You know? So I think I was really just trying to prove myself and my worth being in that space. I like that mentality because I think anyone sometimes might feel that way or they don't feel that way and they're worried about how is that going to affect them? Are they going to still enjoy it if they're not getting that kind of that men- mental game in there? But you mm-hmm. went in there and say, I'm going to do this. I don't care mm-hmm. how it happens. I'm going to show people that I love this sport and I'm going to mm-hmm. like play like I'm one of the guys. Because mm-hmm. I think it helped you grow and become a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Because when you went transferring to those traveling teams in college, mm-hmm. you're at that p- level playing against those guys and then you just bring it over. And those women are still at that same kind of elite level. So you're not seeing much of a difference there. Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mentality is, is and was the same. It was, I'm going to prove how good I am or how much better I am than you, because listen, I did not jump the highest. (laughs) (laughs) I am not the fastest by any means, but I will work harder than you. And that's how I'm going to beat you at the end of the day. You know, I, I, you know, just kind of that old school, I was willing to sacrifice, you know, my time, my energy, my, my social time, anything I wanted to outwork anybody and everybody. And that is what was my drive and, and gave me confidence to, you know, cause every, every time I got on the court, I was nervous. Every time I got on the court, I always saw all of these women are probably better than I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to prove it otherwise, you know? And so that's, you know, kind of proving it by my action on the court, but yeah, absolutely. It's just, some, it's just a mentality. Being part of the travel team. Did you have a favorite place that your team traveled to? like a fun event or tournament competition. I think because it was my first, um, the AAU nationals, we had it in Disney world. So we had it on the campus and it was the most amazing experience that we were there. First of all, like nobody's from Oregon and it was the first time I had played against so many different types of people, women, styles. And I was intimidated as hell. I was so intimidated. I, we had such a great team though. We had such a great team of, you know, talent and parents and support. And we were just all in awe and we were all just so excited to be there that we were like, there was no nerves about performance. Cause we were just like, man, we're happy to be here on the court with everybody. Yeah. And we didn't have expectation. And a lot of times when you go into something and you don't have that burden of expectation, you kind of supersede those, you know, any, any expectations. Mm-hmm. So we actually finished seventh in the nation. Wow. We just absolutely balled out. And, you know, we were just at that, that point where I was still young enough that I didn't have a ton of the mental 
confidence mind stuff. I just went out and played. And I think a lot of us just did that. We just went out and played. And, um, I think that was my, my, probably my most favorite experience just because it was just so special. And that kind of catapulted all of us at that point, once we kind of got on the map at Disney world. When you went to college with the main focus basketball, or did you ever think about what's my backup plan? If something did happen, because I've talked to athletes and a lot of times that some of them have a backup plan. Some of them don't have a backup plan, but what was that for you? Zero backup plan. (laughs) And that would be a piece of advice I would give to anyone who's in college now or any, anybody that has a child that is, you know, an athlete in college, or, I mean, I was just obsessed with basketball. I mean, academics, I always was decent at, I got by, Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't put in as much effort as I should. I, I didn't know any other love or passion outside of basketball. So when you're asking me to choose a career path to me, I was just like, I'm going to be an athlete when I grow up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And you know, even without basketball, that might've still been my response because it's so hard to pick a a career path or, you know, unless, you know, you really, you know, you're very special and and have that small percentage that probably do, but man, it's just, it's tough to, to pick a road when you're so young, but zero backup plan. I was obsessed with basketball. Um, and I did what I had to do to, I mean, I had decent grades. It wasn't like the, I was like ineligible, but like, I just <laughs> didn't, I just didn't care as much to be honest with you. And I, I wish I had looking back, but at the same time, I wouldn't have changed my experience. It's definitely hard because like the kids at 18 are expected, okay, what's your major? Cause this is going to be what you're yeah. supposed to be doing for the rest of your life. And you get into college and then you're like, well, I like this now. So you change direction. And I think that's the hardest part. It's like, you kind of should be allowed to get in there, see what you like. And especially with athletes, they've been so focused on playing that sport that they're not focused on anything else, like a the career, because they think that that's going to be their career. And they put so much focus on it and they get to where they want. And I totally agree. It's, it's, it's a lot when those yeah. kids at a young age with the career, because I think like I went for sports management, I'm not in sports management now, but I wish I was because I spent four years doing that, but right. you get down to the real world and you don't know what to expect nowadays because jobs are all over the place and you find new passions, new love for things. When you were getting down to the end of your college road, did you kind of see a plan on what was next for you? I wanted to play in the WNBA. That's all I saw. And I did not get, um, you know, um, picked up by any means, but I, I was just like, just somebody give me a chance to try out. Let, let me fail on my own, mm-hmm. on my own doing, not because I just couldn't get a chance. Um, and so I worked out, you know, I was, I, I kept working out after I had graduated, after the season was over. Um, I got an agent and I did not get into a WNBA tryout and I got my first job in Puerto Rico. So, um, I went down there and it was, it was one of the biggest blessings of my life because coming from Arizona state, we started three freshmen and two sophomores when I was there. So I started as a freshman. It was a, it was the most physically tough year of my life. The, the physical transition and expectations from high school to college and then starting and then, you know, playing a majority of minutes. Mm-hmm. We went from a barely 500 season to our first appearance in the sweet 16, my junior year, which was so special because we made history. And so um, along with that though, <laughs> comes, it's just a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And that pressure really ended up kind of messing with my confidence in who I am as a player and who I am as a person, because my identity was so tied up in how I played, how I performed. I mean, I kind of lost myself in that because it's just basketball was who I was. 
And so the blessing of Puerto Rico was <laughs> I went down there and I played for this teeny tiny town in Barovis and we were the Montañeras. So we were the Mountaineers and we had one of the most beautiful gyms you've ever seen in Puerto Rico in the middle of nowhere. And those people embraced me and loved me. And I went down there and I just played free. I played like I played when I was in AAU. I just got to play with no expectation. And the league is a lot better now. Um, Wasn't as strong then. And so I did really, really well. So in their eyes, they think I'm like the best thing to ever come to Puerto (laughs) Rico. And for me, it was just more about getting my confidence back, falling back in love with the game in the way that I had grew up knowing it. I mean, obviously it was better from my skill at Arizona state, but, um, and it was so beautiful because (laughs) we played three games a week. So Monday, Wednesdays, we would kind of come in and practice and go through some plays and shoot around. And I would talk, the locals would come watch us practice. And I would just get to talk to the people Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, we played and it was just a big party and they loved on us when we won and they loved on us when we lost. And, um, it's a quick season because we played so many dang games. <laughs> um, but, um, it was, it was just the, the most beautiful experience. I ended up playing four seasons in Puerto Rico and I retired. I retired there, um, with the same team, um, in the same, most of the same people. And it's the only place in my pro career that I won a championship. So it's a very, very special place for me. When you won that championship, what was that feeling like? Was it more than making it to the sweet 16 in your college career? Or did it kind of just have that same feeling because they're two different, completely environments? Totally different. Um, I was a different person and the pride that I had to be able to be a part of a championship team for that town and those people and the joy that it brought them and my, and me, um, it was just, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences. We, we literally stayed up. We partied all night. (laughs) I, um, I didn't, I didn't have any alcohol because I wanted to soak it in. And afterwards, after we'd won, they had a huge party in the town square and we showered and they picked us up the team in Jeeps. And we stood up in these Jeeps and we went through the town they had a stage, they had bands, they honored us. And we all just danced and partied all night long. And they were just so grateful and they were so happy. And it was just like to be a part of something that was so joyful. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime experience and it doesn't matter. The thing is, it doesn't matter how strong, bad, good, or anything the league is, or none of that mattered because it was just pure joy. It was pure celebration. It was just pure gratitude to like, they are on the map in this sense, you know, this small little town, they are, they did that. And so it was just, it was totally different. Um, but, but, um, both experiences were amazing, obviously. Did your family ever fly out to Puerto Rico and see you play a game? Yeah. Yes, they did. It was really, really cool. Um, my dad came to Puerto Rico and my mom and my brother ended up coming out to Australia when I was there. Wow. Mm -hmm. How was it going to Australia and playing? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so it's kind of crazy because, you know, I lived in Arizona for four years. So sun, 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 I went to Puerto Rico, sun, 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 this most beautiful, like postcard Island feel. (laughs) And then I got my first European job in Poland. (laughs) (laughs) I had a bit of seasonal depression. I really understood what that was at that time. Um, I lived in a small town. It was just, it was an amazing place. Just so much history there. I only played a half a season there. After that, I went to Romania and I lived in a really small town in Romania it was probably one of the hardest experiences of my life. I lived in a very, very poverty stricken area. Um, but it was probably 
one of the best experiences of my life because my whole perspective on the world changed. Mm-hmm. You know, what I thought was important was out the window, you know, just the empathy factor for how other people in the world live. And I was so grateful to be born in and live in the United States. Um, and that's just something that we don't, we don't get to see, right. Unless you really are in these places. And I was in a very random place in Romania. Um, so I was only there for about five months and then I was pretty kind of beat down after that job. And I, I told my parents, I was like, you know what, if I don't get like kind of my dream place job, like, I think I'm going to hang them up. And I, uh, got offered, uh, for a position in Australia. And so I went to Australia. I ended up playing there for three years, uh, two seasons in the um, WNBL, which is kind of the WNBA over there. Um, And I got to jump in between six months in Melbourne and six months in Sydney because I played for two leagues. So I got to play year round. Um, And it was just amazing. It was, I highly recommend, I know it right now, times are crazy, but I highly recommend if people can to to not, I mean, ex- explore just different cultures in general, but yeah, it was a great time. It was, you know, good time in my career. So it was awesome. Was it hard to make that decision to hang up the sneakers and not be able to play anymore? Or was there a reason why you made that yeah. decision? You know, for some reason, I always had had it. I don't know why on my heart or in the back of my mind that 30 was it my age, (laughs) Um, (laughs) my age 30, sorry. Um, And at that time I'd been playing year round for probably four or five years and living away from the United States, outside of the United States for almost eight years. I was just tired. At that point I was physically tired. I needed a break. I was emotionally and mentally tired. Um, I have, I had met my now husband at the time as well. And we had met prior, but I was like, you know, I'm doing my thing, (laughs) you know, you know, (laughs) if you can't tell basketball was my priority and I just, you know, that was it. Um, it just, in my heart, I felt like it was time. And also I didn't want to, I wanted to go out on top. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to drag out my career where I wasn't performing, you know, because a lot of times going anywhere, but going overseas, I'm, I'm taking somebody's position. Mm -hmm. I'm taking somebody's money. I'm taking somebody's spot. So I need to be performing and I'm performing at the level that I feel like is, is worth that. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a feeling. It was just a feeling. So after that, what's next for you? What's next on your rise of the challenge journey? So I retired. I moved back to the, to the States. Um, and then the challenge really began because I had no idea what to do. I had no idea who I was. Like, how do I introduce myself without saying, hi, I'm Amy. You know, I play professional basketball because what makes me special now? What makes me different Mm -hmm. now? You know, I, I went and I knew, you know, I knew retirement is going to be hard, but like, you never know like (laughs) what it's really going to be like. So my husband, my husband at the time, we trying to just fresh start, you know, what are we going to do? I couldn't get a job. I could not get a job because unless I was interviewing with somebody that was kind of sports oriented, people did not acknowledge that I had any sort of job. They only saw me graduating in 2006 and then reappearing (laughs) eight years later. And so I couldn't get a job. I, and so that, you know, was really defeating for me. And I went from, I ended up getting my, you know, personal training license to try to like, maybe I can do that. Cause I mean, I'm used to working out. I might as well help people, you know, move Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I struggled. I struggled. It was very, very hard for about two years. And then I got the call to coach women's basketball at Portland state university, which is a small D one. And so I was like, Oh, well, obviously this is it, right. This is, this makes sense. Um, 
I'm, I still get to be in, in something that I love. And I really think that I would be a great coach and mentor. And I think that at that age, um, young women, young men need some mentorship in their life. And I was really, really good at my job. Um, I unfortunately was working within a pretty toxic working environment when it came to the adult side of, of, of the staff. Um, and I was just, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to fix it. I thought it was, you know, my fault. I thought it was something, you know, what could I do? What? And so I was kind of walking on eggshells. Uh, again, you know, kind of like another identity thing, just not being confident just to be myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's just so many layers to, to the identity stuff and the confidence stuff. And, um, and then I just, I just physically started to, to feel pretty ill. Um, I didn't realize that it was my stress physically manifesting itself into symptoms. Um, and I was there for about three years and realized that it wasn't going to change. And so I, I quit and it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Cause I've, I had never quit anything before. I had no plan B again. Um, but I knew, and in that moment, I promised myself, I would never, ever put anything in front of my health again, mm-hmm. I would never put myself in a situation where, you know, my health is at risk. And I played a part in that. I played a part in, in that. Uh, absolutely. I'm not saying it's anybody else's fault. Um, I just stayed too long. That's all. So, yeah. So then I, I quit my job and, um, ended up getting my first job in a, uh, general construction company, which that was very eye opening. but it was kind of great because I had never really technically had a real job which is so crazy. I was working with 200 people. So I was just like around so many people that were not athletes. So that was so different. So many personalities, so many expectations. So, you know, my idea of teamwork, my idea of collaboration, my ideas of leadership, it was so different. And it was, it was very interesting and frustrating at times. Very interesting. Um, but still I physically just was not feeling good. I just, I was, you know, it was like grinding. Like a lot of us are where I'm living for Fridays. And when I get to Friday, I have a couple glasses of wine and then I get to like rest until Sunday. And then Sunday night, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got to do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was, it was, it's brutal. It is brutal. And it was just so taxing on my health. And, um, I was, ended up getting diagnosed with, um, my second autoimmune disorder, which is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid. Um, and so some of the symptoms are like chronic fatigue, hair loss, weight gain. And so I'm having all of these symptoms, not really getting a lot of support from the medical field. Um, and the way that I'm dealing with it is the only way that I know how If I'm gaining weight. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go and do a workout Mm -hmm. and I'm going to push myself to the absolute limits because that's how I used to work out. That's the only way I worked out. Um, not realizing I was just creating more and more and more stress on my body, you know, and I'm gaining weight and I'm like, how, why am I gaining weight? You know, I'm not doing anything different. So what do I do? You know, I restrict eating. So you're, you're, you know, working out more eating less, which is really, really stressful on your body. Um, and so finally I got some, I, I went to a naturopath, got some help. And after I struggled for about two years of feeling like not myself, not even looking like myself. And when I got to help, I just was like, well, I don't ever want another person. I don't want another woman to go through the same things I did, not being heard, not being listened to when I'm, when I'm telling people, you know, something is wrong. I don't feel right. Um, and autoimmune stuff is just so dang tricky. It's so, so tricky. Um, and so I kind of really dove in like, anything, right? Like with basketball or anything, I just have a very athletic, stubborn mindset where I'm like, you know what, there has to be a better way to live. And I'm going to find it out Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and so it kind of been on, on my healing journey ever since. And now I'm transitioning to back into, you know, kind of what I know as a coach and a leader and, and nutrition coaching for women and really 
focusing on helping women that are struggling with thyroid disorders. Um, because even though it's, they are so common, I feel like they are treated as normal. And I think that it's, they're just it's not being given the attention and support that, that women and, and the, you know, the disorders deserve. So, so that's kind of in a nutshell. I can't relate to the autoimmune immune disease you have, but I'm going through my own and mm-hmm. I have those same feelings where people think that they know how I feel and how mm-hmm. I'm going through it. And it's, it's like, unless you're in our shoes, you don't know what's going on. And when we tell you how we feel, you got to take it and understand, okay, this is a symptom that we're going through we're still able to do our jobs. We're able to accommodate through it because we're not going to let this deteriorate our livelihoods and stuff. And so I kind of get, I have that same feeling of how you're feeling with it and where it was taking a toll on you. And sometimes I have those days where it's taking a toll and like working the working out. Cause sometimes I go through that same thing where it deals with weight gains. The first thing I'm going to do is, Oh, I got to eat less. Oh, I got to go work out. And then we're just making it go dive even deeper in the hole. And so I think this is a great way to share your um, view on it and how that some our listeners might be going through something similar. And now they have that voice that they can relate to and be able to say, I'm going through something similar. And I know what I need to do now to make sure that my voice is getting heard. Absolutely. And you know, you are the expert on your body. Yeah. So if you feel like something is off, it's probably off. And so, you know, a part of my, my mission and, and even like my mission for others and my mission for myself is to advocate for myself and my health. You know, even if we go to, you know, I went to doctors, I went to endocrinologists, I went to dermatologists and it's so difficult because growing up, you're like, Hey, this is what the doctor said. You know, this is in that. And I don't think that anyone is ill-intentioned, but I think for me, a good way to look at it is, okay, this is somebody's opinion. Mm -hmm. I can take it and I can, you know, take it in. I can also go get a second opinion. And if I'm just not satisfied with that answer and or support, because that's what I feel like is missing. It's the empathy. It's the support. It's the, Hey, I believe you. I trust you that, you know, what you're, you know, what's different, what's going on with your body. We don't have a lot of that right now. And so if you're dealing with something that doesn't necessarily have a name, if you haven't been diagnosed with anything, if it's autoimmune, where it's just, sometimes it's misdiagnosed because Mm -hmm. autoimmune is so tricky. Um, It's just that part of it is, is just put off to the side and it's, it's, you know, I went to an endocrinologist and, uh, they, she told me, you know, you have Hashimoto's and I was like, okay, what is that? Well, you know, it's when your body thinks that your thyroid is, it's an invader or it's, you know, something's going to, so it attacks your thyroid and I'm like, okay, so how do we get it to stop? And she said, you don't, you just wait for it to attack your thyroid until it stops working. And then we will, you know, support you with hormonal medication. And to me, I was like, that just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So there's nothing you can do for my symptoms now. It's almost just like a, (laughs) just a looking down a really long dreary road of continued symptoms. It's going to, you know, get worse. You have to wait till it gets to the absolute worst till we do anything. And so you know, I took that and I was like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. And I went on with my life. And two years later is when I had my rock bottom moment. And I, we had some friends over and I just felt terrible all weekend. I was so conscious about how I felt in my body. I was so uncomfortable in my body. And I just, I just felt terrible. I didn't even, I honestly didn't even recognize myself in the mirror. I would drive to work and keep glancing at myself in the rear view mirror. Cause I was just like, what is something's different. Something's off. And I was like 33 years old. I wasn't old. Like I was <laughs> young. And that's what I thought. I was like, man, am I aging like really quickly or something? Like there's no way I'm like, first of all, I took, I mean, I was a pro athlete. I, I worked, I mean, I beyond worked out my whole life. Like, there's no way my body's just going to break down like this all of a sudden. And, 
And I, our friends left. I tried to, you know, put on a happy face. We were hosting. And as soon as that door shut, I just started bawling. And I looked at my husband and I said, I, I cannot live this way anymore. Like I I cannot live this way. So I need to keep searching for somebody that can support me. And I need to just take it into my own hands, right? Start doing my own research, start looking for people that have experience with Hashimoto's or autoimmune disease. Um, and it was literally that day. And I, I, I can feel that moment. We have those moments in our lives, those rock bottom moments. I really feel like that can, you know, in some way define the direction that we go next. And sometimes a lot of times, unfortunately, it takes us to get to those rock bottom moments Mm -hmm. before we really make change. And I don't, I don't want anybody else to have to be there. Sometimes it's just something you have to go through. That's just life. But if I could have saved myself two years, if I could have started my healing two years prior, you know, that's, and it's not like a regretful thing. You know, I, it happened in its time. Um, but I, that's what my frustration is. And I, I have empathy for you for whatever you're going through, because it is, it's defeating. Yep. So defeating. When you're going through symptoms, does your husband know, or has he been educated on how he can help and play a part so that you get that support and that feeling from him instead of like feeling isolated and you don't have anyone at home that can help? Yeah. I mean, he's just, he is a godsend. Um, He is just the most, you know, caring, understanding person and I actually kind of put him through some hell. This year. <laughs> it's like I was all over the place. And, you know, a lot of times too, you know, depression, anxiety, those are all symptoms of, can be symptoms of thyroid disorders. Cause our, our thyroid is just powerful. Mm-hmm. It is such a powerful organ. It, it runs a body temperature, metabolism, all of those things. And a lot of times I did feel very, very up and down, very up and down. And I even thought, I thought to myself, like, why can I not control my emotions? I was so high or then I was so low. And I just thought it's me. I'm not disciplined. I'm not a very good person. How can I feel like this? You know, and, and unfortunately when you are with a significant other, you know, we take out stuff on the people that we love because we're around them so much. Right. Yep. Um, but to be honest with you, I mean, he was amazing every step of the way, but as I, my healing has progressed, I have never felt more like stability in my body. I mean, I felt really good playing overseas. Absolutely. I think I probably had symptoms for a long time. I think the stress of that coaching job just like catapulted the, you know, the disease, but, um, I, with my healing, I, I, I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel up and down. I don't feel all over the place. I I feel just stable and it's so refreshing. And, you know, I just want to tell anyone that's going through anything like this, that, um, we've got to give, give ourselves some grace through it all because I was so hard on myself for everything for not being able to fix my situation at work, for not being able to keep the weight off. How do I not know how to keep the weight off? I was a professional athlete, you know, for feeling so up and down for not being able to control my emotions or how I reacted to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, you know, give yourself some grace. It is a process. And, you know, my, a lot of how I, my mission or, or, or even me, you know, coming on to shows like this is just like, there is hope. And a lot of times we don't know, or don't feel like there's hope to feel better. And there is hope. Absolutely. So to round that out, yes, my husband is, (laughs) and I probably need to apologize. (laughs) He's great. I can relate with my family and sometimes I take it out on them and they kind of understand that sometimes the things that we're going through, it's like, 
it takes over our bodies and we don't know how to react in certain situations. And they're like the first people that are on the defense line and you're just attacking them. But then after you get back and things are getting better, then you kind of realize, they kind of realize, okay, it, they didn't mean anything that we've said. And Mm -hmm. I've had to say that my mom will probably listen to this and she'll be like, yeah, I'm the first one that probably gets it because I'm always on the phone with her when something happens, but she understands that it happens and we can't control it as much. So I definitely can relate. And what does the future look like for you? What are you wanting to accomplish personally and professionally in the next couple of years? Yeah. So I just started my own coaching business, a nutrition coaching business, and it's kind of more holistic coaching. I, um, just received my, my certification as a nutritional therapy practitioner. It's a mouthful, but, um, (laughs) it's amazing. And I've, it's, you know, I think to really listening to your gut, because I was introduced to this certification probably four or five years ago. And then a lot of the people that I follow or listen to, I love podcasts. So podcasts were a big part of me thinking outside of the box and healing, thinking outside of the box and movement. What does that look like? What does working out look like? So, um, a lot of the people that I had that were following were also, um, graduates of this program. Mm -hmm. And so it kept popping up, kept popping up, kept popping up. Right. (laughs) And you know, once I started to feel better, it was, you know, everything changes when you feel better. Yep. I think you can start to dream again. You can start to plan again. You can start to see opportunity again. And so once I started to feel better, um, I was like, you know what? I love leadership. I think it is in my blood. I think that mentoring, I think that growing all of those things. Like I never want to stop doing that. And so as, as far as personal goals, it's just to continue to work on myself, to grow, to connect. Um, that is probably the most important goal to me is just to continue to grow. Um, and so, yeah, so I started my coaching business and just trying to really help women that are struggling, that are in their rock bottom moments that need a little guidance, empathy, and support to get going. Cause that's really, you know, really all, all it is about. I can give you the tools. We can work on your food, which is so fun, but a lot of the times it's about everything else outside of it. It's, it's not all the time about the food. It's about your relationship with food. It's about relationship with your body. It's about confidence. How do you, how do you even gain confidence? How do you get it? All of those really, you know, faraway thing sometimes. Um, and then I will be starting my own podcast. Um, it'll be dropping in January. So just new opportunities. I think that's like, yeah, I just new opportunities, you know, and I, you probably know this as well, or have experienced this, but obviously you have being, being the host you are, but just putting yourself out there, you just never know. You just never know what opportunities you know, who you're going to meet, who you're going to connect with. Um, and so just having that frame of mind as every day is an opportunity, you know, that is a whole perspective shift to the nine to five Monday through Friday. I'm just living to the weekend. Yep. Right. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, just growing, growing my coaching business growing my, my connections personally and professionally, really. You brought up a great point, especially as me being a host and meeting people across the world. Like I have been able to talk and interview people from mostly all the continents and Mm -hmm. a lot of different countries. And it's just amazing to hear from people because I feel that during this time that we're in, I didn't even know this was going to even happen. Like I think this pandemic kind of gave me a great opportunity and I've learned so much from it. And when I meet other hosts or people that are getting into it, it's just, you're going to love it because Mm -hmm. you're going to just continue to grow. And it's, it's a fun project and it's not stressful. Sometimes it feels like it's its own full-time job, but it, when I come home from working my full-time job and I'm working on this, I'm happy. Like it brightens my day. And then when I go out with friends and families and relationships, it's like, 
it's exciting to tell them that look what I just did today. So I'm excited for to yeah. see your growing with Thank your you. show. The final. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry go ahead. No, no, I was you just going to say, I was just going to say what's so beautiful, I think, and what's helped me so much about what you're doing and what I hope to do, right. Is hold space for people and their stories is because, yep. you know, it just provides proof. It provides proof. Your story is not going to look or sound or be anything close to mine, but the relatability of going through something and, and you could hear the same type of messages over and over and over again. But for some reason, when someone says it, someone specific, it just sticks. Yep. And maybe that it's just your time. Maybe that's just the time in your life when you're ready for that message. But all we're doing is just holding space for beautiful stories, which is the best way to learn and providing proof that, you know, it can be done, whatever that is. But I totally agree. The final question I'm going to ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals? and rise to the challenge? You know, I just think awareness is everything, right? Awareness Mm -hmm. of our thoughts, awareness of, of our environments, awareness of our body. And I think that's the first step in anything, no matter what you want to do. But I think just, as I said before, giving yourself grace and really putting in the time to, to grow. Yep. And, you know, I don't know what that looks like for you. It's going to look different for me. But I think a lot of times we as adults get stuck in the day-to-day routine. We get, it's so easy to get stuck in, in the ruts where we don't dream anymore. We don't go after things anymore. We have this, you know, thought that it's too late and it's not, it is not too late. So I would just say, have some awareness around it. Give yourself grace in the process, continue to grow and try to look at every single day as your next opportunity. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.